This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Jab Cross Hook, a fan-sided fight show with your hosts, Ian McMillan, Amy Kaplan, and Reed Wallach. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Jab Cross Hook. Myself, Reed Wallach, Amy Kaplan, breaking down this week's UFC card and doing a little bit of recap of last week's big UFC 274. And we will also be having a special guest on the show, uh, Andre Petrosky, uh, who is fighting this weekend. So look forward to that, a jam-packed show uh, to get started this week. Um, I guess we'll start the same way that we start every show before we get into talking fights. Uh, what are we drinking tonight? Amy, going to start with you. I'm not drinking anything special. I'm just using the last of my sangria with ice because I forgot to put it in the fridge. I actually, I may have to not drink during these so much because I'm going to be training right after this. I'm starting an nope. intensive training program where they are going to have me fight at the end. Maybe. So, um, yeah, I may not want to drink right before I do that. We'll see. We'll see how today goes and then... Decide. Only if we could we could take you in the draft also. And I want like there's has to be a card where we could take you in in the fan in the betting draft. You better take me. <laughs> I'm sure I'll be the underdog. Just like I look. Are you actually gonna fight like an amateur fight? Potentially. That's the goal. Yeah. I keep wow. saying no. They keep saying when you're about halfway through, you'll change your mind. So we'll see. That's the wow. goal. All right. I'm crazy. We gotta see it. Get a live stream there. I Ooh. love it. Reed, what are well, you drinking? So it's been great weather out. It's been nice. You know, I think pretty much everywhere in the you know United States, it's been like a really good week. So I went with like a summer drink, not necessarily a beer. I went with, I don't know if you guys, it's like a kind of like, it's not a white clock. So I don't like that, but it's a high noon. It's like a kind of like a spiked drink. I, I know that these are, yeah, it's like a seltzer, but it's not as like carbonated. It's a little bit like less. So I mean, they are fantastic. So I'm going to enjoy this, but I thought like good weather, get like the summer vibes going. So I'm going with a high noon. Does it have uh, a flavor? You know what I yeah, mean? What's like, the flavor? Yeah, what's the flavor? It comes in like there's like a variety pack where I'm like giving like a sponsor for that. But like, yeah, I was going to say, are you secretly sponsored your, by High Noon? This is a lime because that was what was in the fridge, but there's like a bunch of really good flavors. Pineapple is my particular favorite. Mm, okay. And what are you I drinking? I think you secretly have a High Noon sponsorship the way you're pitching this. Mate, listen, I'm just saying. I'm just nice, saying. refreshing it's High Noon. It's like a seltzer, but it's, you know, <laughs> it's not quite as carbonated. My personal favorite is pineapple. I don't have a High Noon sponsor yet. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Not yet. All right. This is his application video. Yeah. Uh, can you two guess what I'm drinking this weekend or this week? Red wine. Well, I'm going to say vodka. No, my victory wine. Oh, well, that's right. Uh, not going red, though. Uh, did, didn't have an open bottle of red going white. I don't know what kind of white it is. Well, I will say you're coming off, I think, the best uh, draft week we've had, I think, since the show started. We're going to have to dig deep in the archives, but undefeated. I'll let you gloat. Yeah, it was so great. I, I will say, uh, so I have the record for the first guy to go or the first person to go 4-0, and but Amy still has a record for the most units. When she went 3-0 oh. a few weeks back, uh, the, all three of hers were underdogs, so she won over four units. Um, I went 4-0 for plus 3.89 units. So first person to go 4-0 in a four-pick uh, four draft, uh, but Amy still has a record for the most units one in a week. But I did win. I'm now hot with my UFC picks. Um, I, I tweeted out those for my, were my UFC picks that I backed. I also backed our guy Randy Brown. So I went 5-0 overall with my bets, 4-0 in the draft. Uh, so there's the results right there. Uh, is this back-to-back wins for me? I believe it is, I think. Uh, 4-0 plus 3.89. canceled for Reed and I, so. That's true. I said that you two today. I don't you think two it were behind the eight ball. I think yeah, that's I happening was... two cards in a row for you, Reed. Yeah, I don't know. No one wants to fight for me. But I will say I did not win the betting draft, but I did kind of get off the schneid. I was on a bit of a cold streak, but I did have a very profitable UFC. I ended up betting Charles to win because after the weight cut, I kind of didn't really buy it. So I bet on Charles. So I had a, uh, one of my better UFCs of late, UFC betting cards of late, maybe not in the draft. But so I am hopefully building out some momentum through May. So I'm in a good mood, even though I lost the draft. The draft wins will come back my way. Yes, I'm okay. sure they will eventually. 
Um, but not right <laughs> now. Because now is over. now is my time. Finally. <laughs> Uh, let's talk uh, while we wait for our special guest to join us. Let's talk a little uh, a little recap from last week. UFC 274. I guess we can start uh, with the main event, which I predicted correctly. But Charles Oliveira did uh, miss weight. Amy, I believe you're at the fights. Uh, what are your observations uh, from that whole ordeal? Charles Oliveira, for those who don't know, obviously missed weight by half a pound. Uh, there was some potential controversy with the scale that was being used, but then he went on to uh, dispose of uh, Justin Gaethje. Didn't win the belt because he missed weight, uh, but his next fight will be for the belt, from my understanding. So, Amy, give us uh, give us your inside knowledge on this. What happened? I mean, I think that Charles got completely hosed in the situation. I think he absolutely should be champion. Um, and normally, I would not say that. I'm very strict about missing weight, but. There was definitely some circumstances. Many, many fighters said that there was an issue with the scale. Um, They have two scales. They have one in the back that they weigh in on before they come out so that they know where they're at. They can also weigh on that scale throughout the week. Um, As we know, Charles weighed in that night, night before, and was already on weight. He tweeted about it. That happens a lot. He goes to bed, stops cutting, goes to bed. Wakes up the next day. At some point during that day, some... Fighters were notified that that scale was off and that they needed to reweigh themselves to make sure that they were going to be on weight. I don't know if he got that call or what happened, but he stepped on the scales. He looked really confident and he looked incredibly shocked when they said that he was a pound over. Um, You know, and then he obviously took his clothes off and was uh, half a pound over. There's just something in me that really feels like with that, with UFC admitting Dana White admitted it. Mark Ratner admitted it. There was an issue with the scale. It's not right to me that they're going to still punish him when it's clear that there was a, a, a malfunction with the scale on the back. Um, I just feel like if they pressed it, he would probably be able to win. Like I know court sounds like a weird thing, but like if he had, if he could maybe go to the commission and talk to the commission, I don't know. I feel like he should try. I think it's it's a, it's a real shame, and I think the fact that the UFC continues to pay him like he's champion, give him his pay-per-view buys and all of that shows that even they realize like this is kind of a crazy thing. Yeah. I was going to mention that they paid him his paper, uh, his PPV bonus or his PPV points, which like kind of just shows they know that like, you know, something is up here. I, Amy, you would be a little bit more well-versed than me. Like to me, he's still the champ. Like I, I think everyone with like, a, a rational thought here understands what happened. He also like, it's not like he missed it by like three pounds. He missed it by half a pound. I think that, you know, cooler heads could have prevailed here and they could have just let him go on as champion. I don't think that really is changing anyone's thought on the fight. Like everyone left that saying, wow, he's, you know, he's the champ. So it's unfortunate. I understand like they're staying by the rules. I think that they could have been a little bit flexible here. I do think they did right by him though, by letting him leave, uh, you know, with the PPV bonus and stuff, but I, it's kind of just like a unfortunate situation more than anything, but I don't think any, like anyone like changes their opinion of Charles Oliveira. You know what I mean? Like he won that fair and square. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think anybody, and you know, he, his singing all, all week and it's kind of stuck and it's been, it started sort of as a funny joke amongst the media. The champion has a name and it's Charles Oliveira, but it's like, that really means something now. You know, the champion has a name and his name is Charles Oliveira. Like that's who the champion is. I'm sorry. It is. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, one thing I didn't, I didn't mention about the cutting weight is that, you know, let's say he was notified at, I don't know, 730 in the morning that he was going to have to cut weight. When you start cutting weight and then stop, it's even harder to try to then jumpstart your body to cut weight again. So even if he was notified. And even if he was like, Oh no, I am over. I thought I was, you know, I thought it was under, it's not fair to him because he didn't plan to have to stop cutting weight and then start again. There's just so many variables. It's just, I feel so terrible for him. So. Uh, my question is, and I missed this. I had a crazy Friday. I basically wasn't home until uh, I started watching the cards Saturday night. Uh, did, isn't there like a time, like, don't they have time if they're like, missing weight like did he wait until right basically right before the time limit before he weighed in because like my yeah, memory so- like sometimes when 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 guys or girls miss weights like okay you have an hour to shed like a pound or whatever did he just wait till the end to weigh in no well he did wait till the end to weigh in and all of us kind of thought he was doing that to be dramatic you know which he probably was to be honest 
Um, and then he was given an hour, an additional hour. Um, but like I said, like when you, when you're not, when you're done cutting weight for hours and hours and hours, which he probably was the night before, it's not easy to jumpstart that again. You know, people said, why didn't he shave his head? I actually asked a fighter about that today. The fighters are like, it's maybe 0.2. It's not, it's not. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, I'm, I don't know what he did to try to, to cut weight, but obviously whatever it was didn't work. And I mean, I hate to say this, I don't know the commissioner right away, you know, at all, but like there was something about the way he was weighing people in. I just felt like he didn't know what he was doing. And that maybe it's because I've watched the same person weigh people in in Vegas the whole time. So I'm used to the way he does it. But I kept thinking the whole time, like, what is this guy doing? Like he either took way too much time to weigh people in or did it so fast that you're like, wait, how could you have? So I don't know. I'm just, that's just my thought. I think that he, he should still be champion. I think something needs to happen with the whole weigh-in process because I've seen that not only this week and I've seen that several weekends before. I remember Habib fight the, like the guy just went do do do. Okay, you're good. Like he didn't even. And then I, and then you got uh, remember when Daniel Cormier like leaned on the towel. Like the whole thing needs to get revamped because there's questionable issues that happen every single time. So and every state uh, does it differently. So we know right. the certain states that are like like New York is terrible about that. There was that issue with Kelvin Gastelum leaning his arm on on his coach and every time something like that happens they change things just slightly that's why they now have a box instead of towels but you know it's only so much you can do they're always going to find ways to skirt it yeah i will say i thought like obviously like it was just kind of ironic that he tweeted like made weight like all that stuff like obviously first of all i like i love charles Rivera. i think he's amazing but like it was like kind of hilarious that he tweeted that and then proceeded to miss weight. Like, come, like, what are the odds? Like, I saw like freezing cold takes retweeted it. Like, that's like that's ridiculous. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what are the odds he tweets that and then proceeds to miss weight by half a pound twice? I mean, you know, I mean, crazy stuff. But talking about the fight, though, I mean, what a masterclass! Just an absolute masterclass. And it's almost like Oliveira's gone to this point and. He got hit and like Gaethje and I said this last week, I was a little nervous where the line was at the time, like betting Charles, because I thought that Gaethje could throw a bomb and knock him down. But it was so clear that it was going to be very difficult for, first of all, Gaethje's one path to win was to knock him out in like the first or second round. Once he knocked him down, he was not going down there to fight Oliver. He wanted nothing to do with Charles on the ground and rightfully so, because he got tapped out within 30 seconds once it hit the mat. So like looking back, like, Charles was a should have been obviously a much bigger favorite because half the fight was going to take place on the ground. J- Justin didn't want to go da- down there with him because he know what would have happened. So Charles almost like was welcoming getting knocked down. Was like, all right, punch he pulled, me didn't out. he pull guard? He pulled guard twice. He was like, all right, let's go. Like, yeah, bring, you bring never out. see guys in the UFC pull guard. That's such said, a rare move. Come on in, yeah. let's go. I love and it. I think guys should pull guard. Ground and look what happened? I mean, yeah. it's just crazy to me. So, I, I know mean, I keep uh, underestimating him. I think I'm done as underestimating him. I'm, I'm never going to bet against him again. I yeah, yeah I, I underestimated him uh, against uh, Poirier, and then now I'm I'm not going to do that, and that's why I was on him uh, this fight. But from a betting standpoint, I don't know if you saw this read as well, but everyone was on Gaethje, and when everyone's on on an underdog, especially in the UFC, that's that's bad news usually. Well, so I I think it brings up an interesting debate. You know, when people miss weeks, I know, um, shout out Sean Zarillo, who does a lot of great work for the Action Network. He has stats on if you miss weight, you tend to, you know, your win your win probability typically goes down. Like people that miss weight, they end up winning at less than a 50% clip. But, you know, Charles was saying at like minus 180, I'm pretty sure when we did the draft on Wednesday, maybe he was a little bit closer. He was minus 135, minus 140 when I bet him. Like, it just seems like a complete overreaction. Like, Oh, well, he can't fight for the belt. He doesn't like care. Like, you know, his heart's broken. Like, guys won 10 fights in a row. Like, belt schmelt. Like, he's still gonna go. He's still gonna give it his all and try and win. Maybe even prove more of a point. So I thought yeah, it was a more. I would say it would be more because he people, was he's definitely think, prove. People, I think, went a little nuts on this. He missed weight. He's gonna lose because of that. I think if you thought Gage was gonna win, I like I don't think Charles missing weight should have like flipped you. You know, if anything, it made me want to bet Charles even more, you know, go the other way, underreact as Ian likes to say. So I, I, I mean, I was on the under, that was what I ended up betting. And then I ended up betting Charles also. So I mean, who does he fight next? I know he 
he called out Connor. I think he would destroy Connor for being quite honest. I think he would be all over him. I think Makachev is the fight to make. Maybe a little bit later, though. I agree. I think it's Makachev. I don't think Connor wants that fight. I think Connor wants um, Diaz or um, Poirier again. I, I just don't. I don't know. I don't think he's interested in in Charles as much, and probably because he knows he wouldn't win. You know, yeah, I think he, he thinks he can. You guys ask it. Like with all due respect to Connor, if for some reason Connor McGregor's watching, like I think Charles would mess him up. Oh, he's that, totally it would be the same thing as Gaethje. It'd be the same exact fight. He's on his phone right now on his yacht, and he's like, "Oh, this is my favorite show. <laughs> guys are so smart." Ian, it yeah, seems like you watch anymore after you trash him. <laughs> Ian, it seems like you don't necessarily agree, or you do agree. You think Charles would be all over Connor? My my brain has been poisoned by McGregor because uh, I was so into his uprising. I think I've talked about this before, but people shit on Connor McGregor and rightfully so in some aspects because he's put up some stinker performances, especially against Poirier lately, but. I, I, I can't get prime Conor McGregor out of my head. I can't get the McGregor that showed up against Eddie Alvarez. I can't get that version out of my head. The one that showed up Which against Donald Cerrone. Uh, although I know Donald Cerrone kind of wasn't necessarily psychologically ready for that fight. But the one who knocked out Jose Aldo in 13 seconds. The one who uh, was getting out-wrestled by Chad Mendes and came back and, and TKO'd him in the second round. So, uh, objectively, McGregor would probably... I mean, he'd definitely be an underdog against Oliveira, yeah, but... Sure. Uh, uh, I admit there is some kind of self-bias that I have uh, about McGregor. So um, I don't know. I'd be interested to see what the line for that would be. Um, I think I think yeah. Makachev is the fight to make, but he has to he has to get like a really – I know I think Charles might have said it also. Like he was booked to fight Dariush, and then Dariush got hurt. That's why Bobby Green was in. I think Makachev needs to win one more fight and then get Oliveira. I know that the calendar might not line up then, but that's how I think it has to go. I don't know if there's anything in the workshop for that, but that's how I see it at least. Yeah, well, and and yeah, and probably the best thing for Connor is just to probably fight Nate Diaz or fight someone who like he can you know realistically has a chance to beat and kind of get back into the mix of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the other big fight we got to talk about on the pay per view uh, is the <laughs> co-main event, which uh, I think. You know, no offense to Rose Namajunas and Carla Esparza, uh, might have been the most boring fight I've ever watched in title fight history. There's a few fights that you could point out, like uh, Derek Lewis and um, Francis Ngannou, I believe it was, but that was a three-round fight. Title fight, I can't think of a worse fight I've seen in my life. What about they that did Izzy nothing. fight? What about the Izzy fight? I can't remember who we fought. Izzy or Yoel Romero? I don't remember who it was. I yeah, but it was a fight against Yoel Romero. Uh, Izzy w- w- was a bad one for sure. Um, but Izzy did some things. He just never put himself in danger whatsoever. I'd say that. I'd say that's close. That, that that's a good shout there. But I would still put uh, this one ahead of it. Just really quick. Uh, Lickhold Scott MMA says he should fight Islam. Uh, I'm curious, my friend. Do you think Islam needs to fight someone else first? Like uh, Darius, or do you think that he should just uh, immediately get the uh, the title fight against Oliveira? So, because uh, I, I just to kind of go back, I kind of agree with Reed. I think Islam does deserve probably the next shot if he gets one win within the next couple. Yeah, of he's got to get like one more. I think to like boost him up, like beat a title, like because there's like kind of a log jam up there. Even though Charles beating like everyone, that's at least right. how I see it. I think Makachev could kind of win, but. But That's also, I, I don't know how long they want to go without a lightweight champion because technically, right now, there is no lightweight champion. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, did, what's that? <laughs> is it the oh, champion? Yeah. Name? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on the co-main event? Because that, it, like, do you agree with the decision? Like, they to me, they could have said anyone's name with any scorecard and be like, okay. Like, I don't know as a judge how you score that. If two fighters literally do nothing in a round, how do you score it? I have a maybe a hot take. You know how you always hear that like you have to beat the champion to be the champion. Right. Well, That's I why I thought they're going to give it to Rose. Well, I think the opposite. I think if the, if a fight is if there is nothing happening in the fight, you penalize the champion for that. Because it's the champion's job to defend their title. It's the champion's job to be the <clears> aggressor. <throat> it's the champion's job to be the one that comes out. Like you're not going to see a lion and a gazelle. And the gazelle do nothing and the lion do nothing. The lion is may- way more powerful. They're going to come at the gazelle. The fact that she didn't want to go, the fact that Rose did not want to do uh, Carla's game plan means that she didn't think she could beat her there. And if she doesn't, if the I champion doesn't think she can beat her at her game, she shouldn't be champion. 
Yeah, just to rattle off a few stats, uh, UFCstats.com. Uh, Nami Yunus, 37 of 130, 136 significant strikes. Carla Sparza, she did 30 strikes on 133 attempts. Carla went two for 11 on takedowns. Rose landed her only takedown, even though Carla kind of got right back up. Carla only had 22 seconds of control. I mean, a total snooze fest for 25 minutes. I I guess Carla should have won, uh, but, like, I don't know. Like, what is what is Rose Namajunas doing there? Like, what was the game plan? She's and listening I, to her husband is what she's doing, and, and she's not listening to somebody who has – Okay, so after the fight, both women spoke about it. I've never heard anybody talk like this in the post-fight. Both of them were talking about how they didn't want to get punched in the face. They didn't want to ruin their faces. You're probably in the Did wrong line. Did they say that? I didn't, I didn't care. Both Did of they? them said that. Well, you should Rose, probably look for another profession then. Rose said, why am I going to do this and get beat up in the face? I'm not going to do that. Are you kidding? Why would I want to do that? And then Carla was like, well, I'm getting married and I'm glad I'm going to like, what are you talking about? That's the most insane thing I've yeah. ever heard. You're a, literally a cage fighter. Like, yeah, this is, the, know, pro- this is the profession. This is like me as a this is like me as a sports better saying, well, I don't want to lose money, so I'm not going to bet. It's like this is literally your job. What are you talking about? That was amazing. I I think Amy, you you make a really good point though because Rose obviously lost the last time these two fought years ago. Maybe Rose just kind of got I don't want to call it the yips, but maybe she psyched herself out. Like I can't get too close. I don't want to be taken down. I don't want to fight on the mat with Carla, and and ended up going against her because. It seems like Rose isn't getting another title shot, and rightfully so. No one wants to see that. I don't. People will be pissed if that is another title yeah. fight. You know, Rose has to do some. You know, she has to build up some goodwill once again. So maybe she should have went a little bit more aggressive. Again, I don't think like if Rose won that fight, I wouldn't sit here and be like, "Oh, Asparza got robbed." She probably Asparza. No. I guess I guess the rightful winner. But again, like she didn't really do much to win. But like, I do. I kind of see what you're saying where if you're going to make a fight that boring, you almost have to penalize the champ. It's kind of on the champ to lead the dance. Like if you're the champ, why are you let, why are you so afraid of fighting Carlos Bars on the ground? Exactly. I know it's, it's not, that's not like a, uh, a clear cut answer because it, it obviously there's like nuance to that, but I do, I at least see what you're saying. The only people who got robbed in that fight were the people watching it. Yeah. Yeah, and I have to be honest, like I was kind of glad it was that boring because I was so behind on my videos and I was like, oh, I can edit. I don't have to watch this crap. So it was actually kind of nice to have a break. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was tough. I think I tweeted it out to be fair. Uh, I had a couple drinks in me. It was Kentucky Derby Day. So I was uh, pretty, uh, a little tipsy, a couple wobbly pops by the time uh, the co main event came on. <laughs> but uh, if, if that wasn't a championship fight, if that was just like two average fighters in the UFC, like they, like the UFC would have cut them after that fight. Like that was. Almost like you just like weren't willing to do what you're like, like fulfill your contract. Like you showed up, you went in the cage, the bell rang, and then you just boxed air. Like that's Mm -hmm. inexcusable in my opinion. Uh, Rose should not be upset that she lost. Neither fighter should. should, If no matter what way that went, though, whoever lost should not be upset. I agree, but can we talk Michael Chandler? Made it a a draw, to be honest, or a no contest or something. Yes, there should be some kind of should be some kind of thing where if it's that bad, just um, they both lose. The belt zero zero. Uh, But but yeah, Michael Chandler. Yes, let's talk about Michael Chandler. Joe Rogan called the greatest front kick knockout of all time. I have an issue with that. I still think Anderson Silva, Vitor Belfort is the greatest front kick knockout of all time. With Joe uh, on the call, oh, he kicked him in the face. Um, but fantastic knockout, best knockout we've seen in recent memory. Reed, you said you want to talk about Michael Chandler. Give me your thoughts. I mean, just that's crazy. He just Tony Ferguson actually dropped like a sack of bricks. It was the create. I it just limp. I mean, I could talk about, it, but I want to hear Amy, who was there, give. I mean, was it just absolute anarchy? I mean, I feel like you talk about Anderson Silva. You also need to bring up like the Jorge Masvidal. I know it's not a front kick, but like in terms of like. Speed and efficiency of the knockout. It was what 13 seconds into the second round. So, like, like the round starts after a chaotic first round where Tony seems pretty live and then he's just done. I mean, what was can you recall what happened in in the stadium, aftermath, all that stuff? 
Okay, well, I was backstage, so I wasn't at the at the cage. Um, but I have to say that the first thing that came to mind was the Masvidal Ben Askren KO because I That's remember Yeah, I remember I was out at the cage for that one, how long Askren was out for. And it was the same thing with there's only been three now, three fights where I've been there where I'm like, is this person alive? Like legitimately scared. That's crazy. Yeah. So obviously Askren was one of them. And then Tony Ferguson was another. It was just like he was out so long. Um, and yeah, he looked really good in that first round. And and I think people were pleasantly surprised. And of course, I was like, I'm going to win this one because I picked Tony. Um, and then I didn't win. Um, but yeah, it was. I, I was really happy for Chandler because he really needed something like that. Um, he deserved it. I think he's such a good guy. Such a good athlete. He's, it's cr- he's crazy talented, and I feel like those kinds of things are what are going to make UFC champ UFC fans give him the respect that he should have gotten the whole time. Yeah, I mean that picture of Tony like eating that kick is like just vile, like literally vile. Yeah, it doesn't look real. It actually, I I swear I thought it was a, I thought it was like a meme, like edited picture, and then I saw it like tweeted from like actual accounts, and I was like, oh my god, like his face is literally mush. That happens from – I remember Rashad Evans, I think it was when he fought Lota Machida back in the day, had, there was a picture of a uh, not great face when he was getting in the middle of getting knocked out. And that just – it's the unfortunate aspect of UFC, unfortunately. Uh, if you get knocked out like that sometimes, sometimes there's some pictures that are going to haunt you for the rest of your life. I hope Tony Ferguson keeps fighting. I know some people have talked about him retiring, but just give him a little bit of easier competition. Michael Chandler wasn't fair. That wasn't a fair fight. Yeah. Speaking of that wrong. picture, real quick, the one of the – foot in the face um, with his face all mangled it's been going around twitter with the wrong photo credit it's actually shot by hans i don't know how you say the last one gernket so i just want to give him a shout out because i would be like my heart would break if it was going around with somebody else's name on it so it is not chris unger that's the name that's going around you're saying it it is hans gernket shout out hans i was just about to say shout shout him out uh, what else do we got to talk about? Donald Cerrone, Joe Lozon. Uh, fight got called off. Uh, Donald Cerrone food poisoning? Is that what happened? Food poisoning is what they're claiming. Yeah. They, uh, Dana White said he was throwing up and he was in the um, hospital with an IV. I guess he said he went out for tacos. You know, you know, tacos are living on the edge. You can't have any That's tacos. That's a dangerous food to eat. Yeah. When you need to not get food poisoning, probably the last food I'd get is tacos. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of I, – I listen, I bet against uh, Cowboy. That was um, one of my bigger bets of the weekend, so I was pretty pissed because I, I I think Cowboy's done. I just – I don't see it. Um, He's able to speak- fight two more times, but Speaking I don't know. of food – go ahead. No, I'm, I was interrupting I'm, you. You you finish your thought. My mistake. No, I just – he says he wants to fight two more times, but, like – he also said that, like, the Connor fight, he wasn't mentally there. I know, like, I'm not saying the guy didn't get food poisoned. I'm not saying he didn't want to fight. But it just seems like he already has one foot out the door. So, like, you say you want to fight two more times. Like, it just feels like he does, he's not all in anymore. And I mean, granted, he's also fought 48 times in the, you know, professionally. So It I has understand. been rescheduled, though. I saw they're doing it in Austin, right? June 18th, yeah. I I don't know. I think that there's definitely some – some truth to like, I I mean, I definitely believe him that he, he was sick, but you know, I think Joe told Dana after that he was worried that he wouldn't want to cut to 155 again, especially so soon. So I'm actually more concerned about the second fight, him not making weight or him getting so sick. He looks terrible at 155. This is, this is Donald, um, right? Yeah. Donald. He just looked oh, like yeah. a skeleton. I mean, he did not look good. He acted fine. He had his son. He, you know, brought his son up on the scale with him and everything. He acted fine, but he didn't, he definitely didn't look good. Uh, on an almost unrelated note, but also kind of related, uh, when Habib got food poisoning, and I think it was one of the fights against Tony who was supposed to fight him. Was it tiramisu? Tiramisu. <laughs> now, every time I eat tiramisu, I think about Habib getting food poisoning. <laughs> I was so you eating tiramisu in fight week. And now when I, next time I eat tacos, I'm going to think about Donald Cerrone, so... <laughs> yeah, I, like I feel like these are dangerous choices to be eating the night before a fight right after a wake up. <laughs> no. Uh, do we have anything to, uh, else to talk about before we get into the draft? Here we talk Michael Chandler. Yeah. Uh, 
Meatball uh, Molly, Meatball Molly and Patty. What do you got about, about, about yeah. that? Yeah, okay, so sometimes the, um, I don't know if fans generally know this, but when there are spiders in the audience of uh, big pay-per-view cards, sometimes they'll bring them to the back and they can talk to the media. So if they have a fight coming up, sort of, they call them guest fighters. They just come back and shoot the shit. And they're always my favorite because there are some, most of the time they're really drunk because they've been at the fights. So they brought Meatball Molly and Patty back together and the whole entire thing was just pure comedy they were roasting all of us what we were wearing what we look like it was Dang. just great yeah it they was are great. a dynamic duo yeah they should do every fight together they should do every media together they should never leave each other's side it should be in their contract but um there was one story that i wanted to show you guys because it was just too funny and so this is a uh, patty telling a clip about an experience he had with stefan bonner what Paddy taught me and what I took from him once before and he said I would never like a fan to meet me and to be let down and I kind of I've tried to take that under my wing as well so whenever we do a meet and greet or we meet fans we make them feel like they're the most important person on this earth at that moment in time because they are and without them we can't but also when people want to ask us for our signature and then sell our stuff online I'm not doing it but don't try and call us out on it we'll give you the picture but don't take the Michael that's beautiful. Yeah, I, I can remember when I was a kid when they'd done the first ever UFC Fan Expo in London and I asked Stefan Bonner for a picture Classic. and he walked away. He said, I haven't got time and walked away and I've never forgot it. Yeah, so he'd shit Stefan Bonner. <laughs> <laughs> he'd shit, lad. If he ever asks you for a photo, you got to do the same thing. Yeah, I'll tell him, I'll say, oh, Sorry, Steph, lad. Steph, do you want... too busy, lad. Stick it up your hoop. You know what I mean? Their accent immediately makes everything that they say like ten times more funny and ten times more entertaining. Stick when it up they, your hoop. Yes, yeah, some of it is so much better. The yeah. yeah, they're so good. So I just wanted to share that with everybody because I thought that was so fun. Uh, and then yeah, right so. after somebody's like, "Oh, his house got burned down because his house burned down recently," and then he suddenly felt like terrible about calling him out. So I just thought it was funny. Great clip. Uh, yeah. I think Molly just got a fight announced. I believe right. Oh, she announced, well, she she talked about it on, she didn't, uh, I don't know if it's since then, but backstage she told us it's going to be on UFC London. I don't think she said who the opponent was, unless that's been announced since. Uh, Look it up in a second, but last thing that we want to talk about. Yeah, I think it was. I'll look it up in a second. Last thing uh, that uh, we want to touch on before the draft, though, Canelo Alvarez, upset loss. Um, Someone on the show, I think, hinted at it possibly happening last week. Uh, I forget who that was. Uh, It might have been me, maybe, who knows. Uh, but Canelo Alvarez, big upset loss. I know that uh, we are primarily mixed martial arts, but uh, any immediate thoughts? I don't know if the, either of you watched the fight or not. Uh, it was going on at the same time as UFC because there was that picture of Dana White, and he's done this in the past. I don't know why everyone's yeah. shocked. Uh, during the co-main event, he had a screen on watching the Canelo fight. Dana, for people who don't know, is kind of new to UFC. Dana White started off as a boxing promoter. like He's a boxing guy, uh, especially if there's a boring <laughs> fight going on in front of him. <laughs> yeah. He's going to watch the Canelo fight, a Canelo Alvarez fight on the screen next to him. So he's done that before. It wasn't shocking to me, but I don't know if you two have any thoughts on uh, Canelo Alvarez. I didn't see it. I just heard everybody in the media room kind of saying like, oh my gosh, he's about to lose. He's about to lose. He's about to lose. So that was kind of interesting. And I didn't realize that I have a friend who is, I don't know how you say his name, Bivols? Um, strength and conditioning coach, which is kind of cool. Ah. I had noticed he was posting a bunch of pictures and I was like, Oh, that's interesting. So yeah, I just feel bad. Cause last week we kept saying like Canelo versus whoever, and we couldn't even think of yeah. the guy's name. So, uh, and, 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 I, and I will say as much as I like hinted that I thought an upset was going to happen, I didn't end up betting on it. So really I, I don't have any room to kind of brag about it. Cause if I truly thought it was going to happen, I would have placed money on it. And I didn't. So um, what were the odds? Do you know? He was like four. I think, yeah, like four to one, five to one, somewhere in that range. So he's a pretty sizable underdog, but not as big of an underdog as we've seen Canelo. Or as he, Canelo wasn't as big of a favorite as we've seen in a lot of his fights, and that's kind of what was a red flag to me, despite not being a big boxing guy. I was like, this fight's closer than Canelo Alvarez fights usually are. So yeah, and, um, and usually know, when it, and usually when nobody ups, uh, uh, expects expects an upset, that's usually when it happens. So. Yeah, you, you know, I don't really follow boxing, but if I would have been more plugged in and, like, paying attention, Canelo moving up in weight, like, kind of anytime these fighter boxers, UFC, anytime they're moving up in weight, like, that's kind of, like you said, like, Canelo wasn't minus a billion, 
and he right. was moving up in weight. Like that should have been a red flag. Like maybe he like bet on the really good guy who's significantly bigger than Canelo. Just like um, Amanda Serrano, uh, either a week or two ago before that, she was moving up in weight class by Katie Taylor. Uh, I did yeah. bet on that one. I bet on Katie Taylor. Uh, Meatball Molly does have a fight now. She is fighting uh, Hannah Goldie. Uh, oh. UFC fight night two eleven. Uh, July 23rd, Hannah Goldie, one and two in the UFC, but coming off an armbar win against Emily Whitmire. Uh, mm. So Molly against Hannah Goldie should be a good fight. And that is uh, the London card coming up uh, in mm-hmm. July. I'm sure, I guess, I would assume Patty's going to fight on that card. That was this assumption. He didn't have any contract right. or anything, but yeah, he said that was the assumption. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, so the UFC is not stupid. Friend of the yes, program, yeah, Matt Pavola. Put him on it. Oh, yes. speaking of, before we get to the draft, how about friend of the program, Randy Brown? Get yes. yes. And you know, he came back to the media room, and the first thing he said was, I told you. And like, <laughs> I, I got you in the draft. So it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, true. Really, really cool. Yes, that's great. Love to see the friends of the program do well. Uh, we got to have Randy on back again sometime. Yeah, maybe for before sure. his next fight. So, uh, yeah, shout out Randy Brown. Great win for him. Uh, split decision. I didn't think it should have been. I thought he clearly won the fight. Uh, but at least he got the win. That was the main thing. Um, let's uh, get into the draft here. Uh, obviously, I did mention that uh, Andre uh, Petrovsky was going to join us. Uh, he hasn't yet. If he joins us during the draft, we will just pause the draft and have a conversation with him. But at the same time, it's his fight week. I'm sure he's very busy. Uh, I would not blame him. Uh, I'm sure he has other things that he has to do that that are a little bit more important. But if he does join us, we would love to talk to him. And if he does, we'll just pause the draft and continue it when we're done with him. Um, But since he hasn't joined us yet, let's just jump right into the draft for UFC Vegas 54. Little snake draft. If you're new to the show, all we do is a... Snake draft, yes, we, we go one, two, three, and then whoever picks last the first round then picks first the next round. We do three rounds for the fight night cards. Uh, once a fighter is drafted, nobody else can draft that fighter, and we base it off of odds. And then whoever finishes up the most units at the end of the card wins. Um, yours truly is on a hot streak. I think I've won two drafts in a row. I'm definitely coming off a 4-0 night with the pay-per-view. So that means I get to pick the order of the draft. I am going to go. I'm going to change things up. I'm going to go first overall. Okay. I'm going to go first overall. I'm going to get Amy to go second and go Reed to go last. I don't All think right. I've ever been second. I don't think Ian's ever been first, to be no. honest. I don't think I have been first. I think this might be a first of me going first. Uh, and because it's a fight night card, uh, we can draft from main card, prelims, whatever you want to do. Uh, pay-per-views, we usually keep the first round just to prelims, but everything's wide open. Um, but I think my first pick is going to be – I thought I had my notes up for my picks here, and I don't, so just give me a second. I think it's going to be a prelim fight anyways. Uh, so just give me one quick second. I've got to send it to the production team here. I should have had this ready. I'm sorry, but – That's hey, a that's good what reminder. Happens, uh, I forget to do that. That's what happens when you host the show. Sometimes you kind of get caught behind there a little bit. Um, all right, so my first overall pick. We're going three rounds. My first pick to defend my title – Pull off a three-peat is uh, Manuel Torres, uh, minus 125. That's my, uh, my top pick. Beautiful. <laughs> I thought he might have been. I looked into it. I was like, oh, I think I think Reed or Amy might take this guy. So that's why I gave myself the first overall pick because I, I think he was going to be a popular one. Uh, minus 125 against Frank Camacho. Two fighters going complete opposite directions. Manuel Torres is, is in his second fight in his UFC career. He has 12 wins as a professional and 11 of them. Have come via first round finish, and now he fights on, or he takes on uh, Frank Camacho, who's, in my opinion, at the end of his UFC career, one in four in his last five fights, and his last two straight losses have come from first round finish. So I, I'm shocked that these odds are closer than what or are closer than what I think they should be. That makes me a little concerned. It makes me think that maybe I'm missing something here, um, but. That's okay. I'm not going to try to overthink this one. Uh, I mean, I am a back-to-back defending champ for a reason. Give me Manuel. I'm just going to ride this into the ground, by the way. Uh, I should have got myself like a crown or something to wear for this draft. Uh, But I will go with uh, Manuel Torres first overall, minus 125 against Frank Camacho. Oh, I forgot to send my pick already. (laughs) Well, Reed, I know you said he was at the top of your list. So do you agree with my first overall pick while Amy sends her pick here? Yeah, Frank Camacho. I mean, 
listen, maybe Frank Camacho comes out and like just nukes Torres, but Camacho, he hasn't fought in nearly two years now. And the last time he fought, I remember this fight. He fought, um, was it Justin Janes, Janus, and he got knocked down the first round. Janes lost like four fights in a row now. So like, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> If I had to, like, maybe they both got out of the first round, just like an ugly fight. But, like, I I agree. I, I'm going to be betting on Manuel Torres anyway. So, you know, I'm with you. All right. Amy, second <laughs> pick. Ian probably saw my pick in the channel. I'm going to just do it in private now. I'm picking Frank Camacho after all that. Um, you know me. I like the underdogs. Uh, I he's on my list. He's a little bit further down, but I feel like this is the best time to do it just because we're already talking about him. Oh, sure. You know, I we interviewed him today. We interviewed both of them today. There's just some stuff that he said that it kind of makes me think like, you know, he's aware. He talked about the fact that his UFC record is terrible. Um, but he's, like you said, he's coming off two years out. I think he's going to be really hungry. I think he's going to be a totally different fighter. So two years that we don't know what he's been working on. Um, and I think whenever somebody's coming off a big layoff like that, I always kind of give him a little bit of an edge um, just because there's just some surprises I'm sure that are up his sleeve. Um, and he just seems like he's having fun. Like he really just loves his job. He loves, he understands that it might be his last fight. I don't know. I just think, I, I think because the odds aren't so spread apart, I feel like this is a good underdog bet. Uh, and I did say before I made my pick on the other side that this is a prelim fight. It's not. I just double-checked it as a main card fight. That's my mistake. Uh, but there we go. We're starting on the, the first two picks of uh, the draft here. Myself and Amy are going head-to-head. It just feels like I'm always going head-to-head with one of you two. My picks are very rarely just lone picks. Um, but that's all right. I, I, I welcome the challenge. So there we go. Myself and Amy on opposite sides of that fight. Uh, Reed, go ahead with your first pick, uh, the final pick of the first round. Yeah, so final pick of the first round, I'm going to go with Luis Smolka. Uh, big oh. underdog. Yeah. I know it's a bit gutsy, but just I want to lock I want to lock down. I'm not I like another underdog on the card, but I want to get Smolka. I think he's kind of live. These two fighters, uh Smolka's fighting Davy Grant. They've combined for 26 of 30 fights to finish by finish. They both just love to get wins inside the distance. I know Davy Grant might be the bigger fighter. I just think if there's going to be a finish, I'd rather take the variance and take Louis Smoker getting, you know, nearly plus 250. Similar sizes. I know the reach is kind of similar. I don't know. Like, I just, why is Davy Grant laying this price? I don't know. I mean, right. maybe you're seeing something. I just think I get Davy Grant may have the better resume, but he's coming off two split decisions. Like maybe Louis Smoker could pull something you know, a little crazy plus two forty five just seems like a crazy price. I mean, maybe I'm overthinking it, but Smoke is my first pick. I wanted to lock him down, get him on the board. He's also almost ten years younger than his opponent. That's crazy. I just noticed. That I just think this price is a little crazy. That's all I'm saying. High variance fight uh, when it finishes. Like I don't know. This was a rare occasion, Reed, that we were actually on the same side. I thought I was going to be able to get Louis Smoke as a third round uh, dark horse pick here. Um, I got a soft spot for him when I used to work or uh, write for MMA Latest News. Uh, he was the first professional fighter I ever interviewed. Um, okay. I just double checked. He no longer follows me on Twitter. So at some point over the past like nine years, he unfollowed me. So now I'm a little sour towards him. Maybe I'm going to bet against him because of that. Um, but I've always had a soft spot for Louis Smoker. He's always in fights. It seems like I know the last fight he did get knocked out, but it seems like uh, most fights that he's like competing in, like he's in them, like he's not losing them by a lot. Obviously, like I said, the last one's a little bit of an exception, um, but I agree with you, Reed. I think that's a completely mispriced, uh, fight uh, should Grant be the favorite? Probably, but not yeah. this big of a line. I think the odds are completely completely mispriced. Yeah, and listen, maybe he gets nuked and knocked out in the first round. But like again, like uh, he's plus two fifty, so I'm not really you know going out on a limb here. It's worth a shot. I feel like I just think there's a lot of variance in this fight. I agree. Uh, Amy, do you have any comments on that fight before we wrap up the first round? No, I think I agree with what you're saying. I think he's definitely being undervalued for sure. Yeah, I agree. So all three of us agree with that one. So let's bring, bring up the round one graphic, a little recap from the first round. Uh, I went Torres, uh, slight favorite in the first one, minus 125. 
Amy then immediately went against me and just went the fade Ian route, taking Camacho plus 105, and then Reed uh, stole Louis Smoke on me plus 245. Big underdog, Reed. You're going for it all because you need a win. It's been a while since you've had a draft win. Uh, speaking of which, it is a snake draft. That means you get the next pick, uh, the first pick of the second round. Go ahead. Yeah, so I'm going with a big underdog because I want, you know, I don't love the board necessarily, but I'm taking Verna. Saying it Jandroba. wrong. Jandroba. Jandroba. Verna Jandroba. Um, listen, I'm not saying Verna Jandroba is that great. This is, but she wins fights she's favored in. Her two losses have come against grapple heavy opponents and Amanda Hibas and Mackenzie Dern. To me, though, I like hold them to in high regard. Angela Hill, on the other end, you know, it feels like she just can't get it going. Whether it's bad judging, you know, she throws a lot of strikes out there, doesn't really connect with anything. She grinds it out. I think Jandroba is going to be able to control this fight, get it to the ground. Whether she, get, you know, slaps on a submission early or grinds this out. Am I wrong here, Ian? No, I know. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your, your train of thought there. Um, but I think you said you were about to go with a big underdog. She's a sizable favorite. No, I was saying going big underdog so I could then take this sizable. Oh, favorite. I see what you're saying. My mistake. And I apologize yeah. for interrupting. Go ahead. But Finish your thought. To me, it seems like these are two fighters where Jandrova wins the fights she's projected to win and loses the, like, you know what I mean? Like there's a ceiling on her, but there's also a defined mm-hmm. floor. I just can't buy Angela Hill. I think she's a fan favorite and continues to be, you know, people keep betting on her because they like her. She's in, you know, I guess the public space. I just, I kind of like Jandrova. Van, Van I think she's going to win. So I'm going to get her on the board. Amy, you do you have any thoughts about that? Both of you don't seem into fight. it as much as other smoke effect. <laughs> I think, uh, I, I, I guess maybe one of mine is I'll never bet against Angela Hill. Just she's just so fun, and I love her so much. So like I can't like do it. She's great. But yeah, yeah. Uh, she she does like commentary and stuff too. Yeah, I've yeah. seen Angela Hill do that stuff. Great at that too. Uh, probably has a post fight career. Does- Go. At Easter, she paints the most epic Easter eggs. I don't know if you guys saw, but she did one a couple years ago that what uh, the word like the commentary the commentary team like shocked. It was like DC. It was so it was mm. cute. Anyways, totally sidetracked. <laughs> I did not see those, but she's 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 a talented lady for sure. Yeah. Uh, but Amy, because you are second now, we are back to you. So uh, your fir- your first your second round pick, second okay. overall pick. Going with another underdog. Surprise, surprise. I'm going with Jan Blahovich. I don't know if that's how you say it. Yep. Um, I'm surprised that he's like that. Rancic. Rancic. I can never say his name. Rancic. Rancic. Rackage. Rocket. Rackage. There you go. (laughs) Not even close. That's what I call him. I'm surprised he's so much of a favorite. Like so much. Oh wait, maybe I looked at the wrong odds because he's not that. No, you're right. No, you're right. Rockage is a big favorite. Uh, Jan Blahovich is a big underdog. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that he, he, you know, obviously former champ, he just has, he said this quote when he, at media day and he was talking about how he thinks of the belt. Like he think like, uh, Kenny from MMA junkie asked him if he, you know, when you're a young fighter and you're on, you're hungry for the belt and you're hungry for the title and then you have the title and then you lose it. Are you still hungry for the title? And he says that he's hungrier than he ever was because he wants it back and he kind of likened it to the Lord of the Rings, that uh, Gollum with like my precious, the ring. I don't know. I just thought that was kind of a cool way to look at it. So it's quite the reference. I gotta, yeah, I gotta go with Yon. Plus, who, Blahovich. whoever, you know, like he still wears that that bracelet. I don't know if you guys know the story about the rope that he wears around his wrist. Oh my god! I think know. I do, but now I forget. I think I definitely heard it at one point. Now I forget. He the, the Cliff Notes version is he found. A man in the woods hanging. Right. Like, I knew it was himself. something to do with a noose. Yeah, yeah. And there was something about like in hit the way that his culture views that is like that rope is now like a good luck charm. I don't know, but so he's wearing it today. He was wearing it today, and like, yeah, I just think that's crazy. Yeah, this this fight's got me kind of in knots because I I jumped on the Wahovich like hot streak and rode him to the title. At, he won I think he won four or five fights uh, in route to the title as a big underdog. I bet him in almost yes. every single one. He went on this crazy heater, and now I didn't like him when he fought, fought Glover because it was the first time he was such a big favorite. You know, I like Wahovich as a dog. I don't like him as a favorite. 
But I'm a little concerned about this um, injury he had. Did he comment at all on the injury during training? Because this fight was rescheduled from March to now. Because the fight was around a pick em in March. Then it's rescheduled because Jan had to pull out. So this is why the price is kind of floated out to this range. I mean, did he comment on it at all? He did. He kind of like, you know, in, in typical fashion of him, he kind of downplayed it. He said, oh, it might have been a heart attack or something. So I don't awesome. know. I, I don't, he downplayed it. I, I mean, I feel like he's, if he's here, I mean, we have, we've had fighters go in after brain surgery. So it's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't put too much emphasis in the, into that kind of stuff. The injuries like the like week before. Yeah. That took me off. Of, I, he would have been my first round pick just out of like respect for Jan. I, I don't know if I'm going to bet it though. I might just stay off it all together. That was a great point by you, Reed, talking about uh, him winning as an underdog a lot. I did forget about that. Just looking back and it's just hand- – I know this is, has been a thing for him throughout his entire UFC career, but just his, his last handful of wins, he was 2-1 to one against Rockhold. He was a favorite against uh, uh, Jacare Souza when he beat him, but then 2-1 to one underdog again against Dominic Reyes, plus 175 underdog uh, against Israel. And like I said, that was just his last few fights. I know throughout his entire UFC career, it's like when he's an underdog, bet on him. I know – I've read an article before and it like looked up how many units you'd be up if you just bet Blahovich every time he's an underdog and you'd be like rich. So uh, <laughs> once again, uh, he is an underdog, Amy. So uh, I will not argue with that pick. I think the main event's going to be a little bit of a stay away with me, but if I had to bet it, I'd probably go Blahovich. Uh, Kevin Nicholson did chime in. He said he had a neck injury. Yeah, I think he called, I think they called it like a stinger or something, but like that's a little concerning when you yeah, get necks like are always stinger. weird. Yeah, I, I, cause you know, I was, I was looking this up for bedside, but like they, he said he was like paralyzed for a little bit with the injury. Maybe just a Kevin saying he's digging for details, no luck. So I think he said he might have been like paralyzed before the, you know, af, right after. So like, I mean, just a little scary. That's why I, I think I'm just gonna stay off this fight altogether. But I will be rooting for Jan because you know that's kind of my guy. Hey, Kevin, All right, if you go to our fan-sided YouTube page, which you are, don't leave, but after this is over, the interview there, he talks about it. If you want to watch, we have the interview up. Yes, check that out uh, as soon as we're done here. Um, my uh, my, So it's my pick, the last pick of the second round here. Uh, surprise, surprise, Reed. We're going against each other, my friend. <laughs> Let's hear it. Make the case. Going Angela, going Angela Hill. Um, You've won the last Angela, few against me. I will say with Angela Hill, she's been tricky for me because I was fading her at a certain point in her career, and then she got hot, and then I was like, oh, she's like now good. She went on a little bit of a hot streak. She won a few fights in a row. So then I started betting on her, and then she started losing again. So I kind of have mixed emotions about betting on Angela Hill. Um, but I think she is being undervalued. She's one in four in her last five fights. Um, but – uh Jendroba, is that how we decided that's how we pronounce her name? Yeah. Ish. Uh and I think you mentioned this, Reed. She is a wrestler. She she does like to grapple. She grapple. She averages 2.14 takedowns per 15 minutes. Now she's fighting Angela Hill, who has a takedown defense of 78%. Uh pretty good takedown defense. And Hill also has a higher output with her strikes. Uh averages 5.56 significant strikes per minute. Uh, and Jendroba only averages 2.81. So higher output should be able to stuff the takedowns, in my opinion. Uh, so an, an underdog pick for me here going Angela Hill uh, plus 160. So once again, I go head-to-head with you two. My two picks are I'm going against Amy once, I'm going against Breed with the other. Uh, so I think that, that well, it does conclude round two. Someone uh, summarized the graphic for me when it comes up because now I need to decide my number three pick. Because uh, my other picks have been stolen. Yeah, uh, Ian obviously just went with Angela Hill, the plus one sixty underdog. Uh, Amy went with Jan Wojovich, plus one seventy underdog, and then I went with Verna Jandroba. So we we're going against each other in the second round. She's a minus one ninety five favorite. So Amy with a small underdog, a big underdog. Ian went favorite underdog, and I went big underdog and big favorite. So. Three different strategies going for us uh, this week. I just Amy. realized that the graphic is in order of who is picking. Yeah. Like, yeah. I never noticed because I've like, oh, right never been there. in the middle before. And then I realized it's because I'm number two. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just saying. I just never noticed that before. <laughs> Very exciting. That's why the video staff makes the big bucks. Yeah. Yes. 
Um, all right, I am ready. I've locked in my uh, my final pick of the draft here. Uh, going to go with another underdog here. So I am going to go with Alan Patrick plus one thirty against uh, Michael Johnson. Uh, big fade of Michael Johnson. I have lost a lot of money betting on Michael Johnson, especially as of late. He's lost four <laughs> fights in a row, uh, and he is the kind of guy who wins the first round and then just loses in the second round somehow uh, or loses in the third round. Like he does, he's not a guy who can just hang on to uh, hang on to, to, to wins for some reason. Uh, his last win uh, was actually in Moncton, New Brunswick against Artem Lobov. Shout out Atlanta, Canada. Uh, that came all the way back in 2018. Since then he got knocked out by Josh Emmett, uh, lost decision to Stevie Ray, lost uh, by submission to Tiago Moises, and then lost a decision to Clay Guida. Like, if you're losing decisions to Clay Guida, there's something wrong with your fight game. He's 2-7 and seven in his last nine fights. I don't know why he would be favored. Uh, can he win this fight against Alan Patrick? Yes, absolutely. But a guy who's on this bad of a cold streak should not be favored by any stretch of the uh, imagination. Um, so I will go Alan Patrick here just because this is almost like a spite bet for how much money, cause I believe in Michael Johnson. I think he's a very talented, skilled fighter. I think there's just something psychologically wrong with him when he gets in the cage. So, uh, I will fade him as a favorite. Give me Alan Patrick plus plus one thirty. Yeah, I'm with you. He was on my, yeah. Patrick is also on a bit of a skid. So that's what kept me off him. But like, uh, it feels like these two are just like, they might just both lose. Yeah, so I'll just take the underdog in that case. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so there you go. That's my final pick of the draft. Uh, Amy, go ahead with your final pick. Okay, I'm going all underdogs again. I like it. Woof, woof. This one I think is the one I'm the least confident in, but there's like something in my heart tugging. I'm going to go with Amanda Hebus. Um, I think obviously the, the, the thing that scares me is the going up in weight. She's obviously going up the, uh, against the number one contender. So it's not even just that she's going up in weight, but she's going up in weight against one of the best women in that division. Mm. But I just feel like there's a reason the UFC put her there. You know, like they like Amanda Hebus. Like they're not going to feed her to somebody that they think that she can't at least have an exciting fight with. So I'm going to go with her. Um, I just feel it. I feel it. I feel like this is going to be the upset of the night. Among all the other upsets that I already bet on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of upsets. It's I feel like it's been a while since every now and then you get a UFC card where it's just like like almost every fight's an upset. So maybe we're yeah. due. Yeah. And if we are, then you're gonna be in pretty good shape, Amy, with uh, your underdog picks. <laughs> and Reed she's just the nicest girl. Like you she's so fun and and like happy, and then she gets in the cage and she's like just crazy killer. So I, I love women like that. I love it. Yeah, I was this fight kind of has me also confused because, like, Jukasian, she has such a size advantage. She's, like, six inches taller, six inches of reach. And, like, for Hebos, it's like, can she get this to the max? I, I like a man here. She's, like, really young, too. She has a huge career ahead of her. But this is – I think she's rightfully the underdog. She can definitely win. There's a path to victory. But she, I think she's rightfully the underdog going up in weight. And, like, Jukasian is, like – she, she won't like impress you necessarily, but she knows how to just grind out victories, just get the job done, whether it's push it against the cage, keep distance. So I I think it's a stay away for me, maybe Jukasian by decision, but like that kept me off it. But I have my final pick. I don't feel super confident. I'm I'm going for the variance look again. Cause like now I got like my you know, I winning week, but I, I want the draft win. So I'm gonna go with another underdog co-main event. I'm going Ryan Span. Uh, considerable underdog. I forgot to send it to the producer, so I apologize. Um, I was so excited I didn't even type it in. But yeah, Ryan Span. So well, they were quick with it. Yeah, they this is they're the best. I mean, at least it wasn't somebody whose name was really hard to spell. Um true. so Span has a pretty considerable size advantage in this fight. I know Jan Kulaba definitely said that one wrong. Um He's lost to Mohamed Ankalaev, who might be kind of on a number one contender run here. But Ryan Spann, another guy that gets himself into firefights, could win by submission. He nearly knocked out Johnny Walker, then proceeded to get knocked out himself all in the first round of his fight against him. It just, again, it seems like a lot of high variance. It seems like two guys that are going to try and rip each other's heads off. I'll take the big underdog. I just think that like it's more of a coin flip than this line is indicating. So, so I have some observations from their media day. Hopefully it will be beneficial to me. 
I know it depends on how you want to read it. Ryan was very reserved. I can't remember if he's always like this, but he just like, he, we would ask him questions and his, his answers were so short. And then he would say the same answer for the same, like another question. But he Walk kept saying down. that he gets in front of himself. Like he gets in his own way. And we kept saying, well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? And he just kept, kept saying, I get in my own way. I get in my own way. I have to learn to not get in my own way. Like that was really like the, the headline of his interview was that he gets in his own way. So, okay, so I maybe he's learning though, to get out of his way and get me a win so I could get a, a winning draft. It's been like five shows, I think. Yeah. That's what he says. That's what he's doing is he's learning how to not get in his own way. But then also Qtalaba in the middle of the interview, just stops the translator and says, I'm ready. Takes his shirt off flexes and says i'm fucking ready i think i i, I like my lava oh you like cute lava i would I, I he was on my list too but he wasn't uh an underdog so <laughs> complete right, so both, of you, both of you think i'm screwed i might be screwed. yeah okay here's here when when you tell me about that about ryan span and him just repeating the same thing over and over again that's so frustrating to me because it's it, it's a frustration i have with ufc fighters where they are just so bad at marketing themselves he says something so interesting that it's like i get in my own way and then the media is asking him to expand on that which i'm sure if he like gave a thoughtful response that could have been like a viral clip because that's not something that a lot of fighters are willing to admit and for him to just pass up that opportunity and then just sound like a, an obnoxious prick and just keep repeating the, the same line and getting away myself dude that's such a wasted opportunity man like mm-hmm. fight game is more than just winning fights you got to market yourself and you just got to lay up and you just blew it he was just like, so man. low energy like leaning back in his chair never took his glasses so off no and like his infliction, uh, infliction, infliction. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong here. But but the thing is, it depends on how you read it, because you could also yeah, read it as focused. Yeah, I'll, maybe I'll he's stick focused. With, I'll maybe, stick with positivity. Yeah, I maybe think, he's got secrets that he's holding in. Who knows? If I had to guess, this fight ends in the first round. One guy's going down. Like we're talking, these these guys throw heat. I I think maybe Span. I mean, listen, that fight against Johnny Walker, I think it was like around a year ago. He, it was crazy. Johnny Walker was out got up, then knocked Span out. So, you know, maybe, again, I will say some of these UFC fights, like they end so chaotically, I may have made that word up, and so random that like, oh, that's right. if if there's like, if things bounce another way, it's like anything in sports, but like, if Ryan Span would have knocked out Johnny Walker, like maybe this is a different type of fight, you know? I just feel like sure. the, the perception may be different for Ryan Span in this fight. That's kind of why I think he's kind of too big of an underdog, an underdog in my opinion. Yeah, from a fighting and betting perspective, maybe him, maybe he's locked in. But like, I just feel like like I want to just become like some of these fighters' PR agent. Like, teach them like you got to market yourself, man. If you want to make more money, like it's such an easy thing to do, and they just screw it up time after time. Uh, but let's bring up the final uh, the final draft graphic. Uh, I'm on Torres minus one twenty five, a slight favorite. I'm getting a little aggressive this week with a couple hundred dogs. Angela Hill plus one sixty, Alan Patrick plus one thirty. Amy, you got Camacho. You're going against me in that fight, plus 105, slight underdog. And then Jan Blahovich, plus 170. And then Amanda Hebes, plus 150. All three of your picks are underdogs. Reed, biggest underdog on our card. Louis Smoka, plus 245. Jen Roba, which is going against me, minus 195. Big favorite. But then he went back to an underdog with Ryan Spann at plus 180 uh, in the co-main event. Little underdog, little favorite underdog sandwich there. Um, Andre Petrovsky, who's also fighting, nobody picked him. Uh, he is, I believe, the first fight of the night in the prelims. Uh, unfortunately, did not join us on the show. Uh, but once again, he's preparing for a fight. I don't blame him necessarily. Uh, I'm sure he's busy with some other things and his weight cut on top of everything. So, unfortunately, he's didn't get a chance to talk to him. But favorite. isn't he the biggest favorite on the card? No, he's the biggest underdog. The underdog. Oh, that's right. The under. Yeah, he's the biggest yes. underdog. Yeah, yeah, and, the, and it, it should be yeah worth mentioning. He is a plus two eighty five underdog going up against Nick Maximov. Nick Maximov, a minus three seventy five favorite. Uh, Reed, uh, I don't know if you kn- knew this. Uh, maybe we could have brought this up if Andre showed up, but uh, he is a fellow Jersey guy. Uh, yeah, are, Jersey. So. I was going to mention that to him. Yeah. So, uh, but hey, maybe we'll uh, get him on another show. Like I said, it's it's hard to expect too much from these guys, guys and girls uh, on fight week. So. 
Yeah, um, hopefully we'll, we'll get to talk to him again sometime soon, but, uh, that's our show. That is our draft. Uh, we did a little recap of last weekend's action. Any final thoughts, Amy or Reed, before we wrap this up? No, best of luck. No. I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping I could get on the board. I think it's been like close to five, five drafts now that I haven't won. So hopefully, you know, that winning week last week could get me going in the right direction. See the board better. And I'm going for the three Pete. And I'm going for the upset. But we got upsets. We have a lot of upsets, by the way. I think there's like seven, seven underdogs. So hopefully we get a chaotic week on what is like kind of a, a lower key type fight card. Yes. And then next week, uh, Holly Holm, uh, in the main event of the card next week. Um, so keep an eye. I actually don't think there's been many fights announced for that card. So we'll see what happens, but whether (laughs) out, no matter how good the card is, we will have a show. Thank you all for watching. If you're watching this on YouTube, like subscribe, all that good stuff. If you bet on the card, best of luck with your picks. Uh, yeah, we will talk to y'all next week. See ya.